Thank you so much for that special music. Oh, what a morning. What a morning that was, that day, the day that changed human history. Well, we just read from our passage in first, uh, Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Last week, we began a small series on this topic of fear. And in doing so, we, uh, I showed you a chart here. And of the, on this chart, we have, first of all, the awe of God, a, respect, a respectful fear. And this kind of fear is uh, something we'll be talking about next week. But last week, we talked about the second one here, which is called actual danger. Actual danger, protective fear. And this is a common one. When you're in the middle of a situation, we can become fearful. We looked at many passages in the Bible about such, uh, such examples. And today, however, I want us to look at this third one here, assumed danger. Assumed danger, or some call it chronic fear. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I'd like we could, if we could open up now our service, uh, our message time with the word of prayer. God, thank you so much for today. Lord, I just wanted to talk to you now before I preach because I, I need you. I need your help. I need your power and your, your spirits to help me portray what needs to be said. Lord, please use us, use myself, open hearts, and help us to learn what we can this morning. We pray in your name. Amen. When we consider this topic of assumed danger, this is a kind of danger that is not something, it's not necessarily that you're in danger, but it's danger that you think you are in or think you might be in. It's, it's an assumption. It's not necessarily true. It's not necessarily there. We just kind of assume it is there. And this kind of fear is, is about danger that may or may not be there. You know, when you think about this word fear, what do we fear? We fear terrorist attacks, oftentimes, the rise of uh, radical Islams, we, uh, or just danger in itself. We fear crime. We fear failure, rejection, change, loss, the future. Sometimes we just fear the unknown. We, we don't know what it's going to be like, and we're fearful of it. We fear uncertainty. At times, we just fear being alone. Maybe you fear unemployment, the rising cost of living, uh, economic recession. Maybe you fear climate change or immigration. Sometimes we can fear pain, death. Maybe you fear the dentist. Sometimes we can fear public speaking. Sometimes we could fear heights or maybe smaller things like snakes or as today, we could fear things like disease. Fear can help us respond to a dangerous situation in life. We're going to look at that next week. But constant fear is debilitating. When we live in a state of constant fear, this can lead to anxiety, depression, which is so prevalent today. And it can lead, more importantly, to drawing us away from God. 
And last week, as I said, we looked at this, uh, this actual danger, but today I want us to focus on danger that is assumed. And there's really two, two, uh, two points to this. And the first is just uh, the actual title, The Fear of Assuming Danger. The Fear of Assuming Danger. Now, I laugh, but we all do this all the time. I remember when I was younger, there, we were pretty strict. My parents were strict on the video games that we played, on the movies that we watched, the, the TV that we watched. They were really strict on the friends that we had and the places we can go, as all parents should be, mind you. I didn't always care for those rules, but today I am so thankful for the sheltered life that my parents helped me to live. And uh, of these movies I wasn't allowed to watch, a lot of them were these scary or these horror movies. And to be honest, I didn't like them anyway. And to this day, I, I don't like anything that causes unnecessary fear. It, it's, it's, I don't think it's healthy and I don't think it's biblical. Well, I was over at a friend's house one day. You already know the story's not going to go well. And they, uh, they were flipping through the TV, th th the television, through some channels, and came across this movie. And as soon as it, it, it turned on the, the television, as he was flipping channels, as soon as it appeared, he was stopped. He said, oh, that one right there. This is a classic. Let's watch this. And I said, well, what movie is this? And he said, well, oh, it's, it's, it's Jaws. Haven't you ever seen Jaws? I said, no, no, never. I, I knew kind of what it was, but no, I I've never seen it. I wasn't allowed to watch those kinds of movies. And I said, no, I've never seen it. And he's like, oh, this is, this is a classic. Some reason if, for some reason, if you say the word classic, it makes things feel better. Oh, no, he said, it's fine. This is a classic. And besides, it's almost over. We'll just watch the end. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not supposed to. I probably should call my parents and get permission. But it's a classic. And it's at the end, so we may as well just watch a little bit of it. Well, I'm not, I, I tell you the story to tell you that uh, only watching a few minutes of that show to this day, I do not like the ocean. I mean, I don't mind swimming in water. I don't mind even going out in the ocean a little bit, you know, maybe up to my waist, crashing a few waves. But once I start getting, the water starts getting a little too high, I can't help it, but my mind goes back to that day where I watched the show I wasn't supposed to watch. And maybe you're calling me a wuss right now, and that's fine. I'll, I'll accept that. I've probably been called worse before. But because of this, now sometimes when I'm in the ocean or sometimes when I'm swimming in a pool, and as when we were friends, we used to play this game called Marco Polo. I don't know if you've ever played it, but you're supposed to close your eyes and yell, Marco! And then everybody else in the pool is supposed to yell, Polo! And with your eyes closed, you're supposed to go around the pool and try to tag people without looking. Well, the thing is that everybody cheats when they play that game. They always peek when they can't find somebody. So what we used to do is play this game at night when it was pitch dark. It was, you know, 11 o'clock at night, we'd be out in the pool swimming and we would turn all the lights off in the pool. Completely dark and completely dangerous. Can't tell you how many times I swam into the concrete wall. And when you play in the dark though, it's, you can't cheat. But after a few minutes of playing in the dark, my friends always knew I was gonna get out of the pool because my mind would just play these games like there's something in the water. But even though I'm in a swimming pool in my friend's backyard, there's nothing in the water but us. But this assumed danger would just consume me. <laughs> I couldn't help. Maybe you were a kid and you used to, maybe your parents would tell you to go outside and take the trash out at night. 
or you go outside and get something out of the car. And as a kid, I, you, you go outside and you're looking around for the bad guys. And you walk up to the car, you're trying to be brave, or you're taking the trash out. As soon as you close the lid, you turn around, and you just bolt back to the house as fast as you can. Maybe I'm just talking to myself right now. That could be. But all of us at one time in life have assumed danger that isn't really there. And this kind of danger is, is, is not something that we should be practicing. It's not good for our, mental dis- for our, our mentality, first of all. But it's one thing to be afraid of a situation you're in. But it's another to be afraid of something that you're not even in. Now, am I saying you shouldn't be careful? Of course not. But I want us to look at a couple of examples here. Uh, Do you remember the story in Acts 16 when the Philippian jailer thought all his prisoners had escaped? Can you remember the story? Paul and Silas, they were in prison. And then they started singing and all of a sudden earthquake came. And the, the Philippian jailer looked around and didn't see his prisoners at first and assumed they had left and assumed the only way out was to kill himself. Well, the Bible says in verse uh, 29 here of Acts 16, it says, Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The jailer was about to kill himself when he heard Paul and Silas say, Do thyself no harm. I'm so glad they stopped him in time, because that fear would have literally caused the jailer to kill himself. But he found Christ instead. You know, the Apostle Paul actually struggled with fear a lot. As you read through Corinthians specifically, And a little bit in Galatians, we find that Paul struggled. He was afraid about the effectiveness of his preaching and teaching ministry. He was humbled when he visited the the church in Corinth. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 3, he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. The apostle Paul was... Nervous. He was fearful as to what would become of his preaching. Would they listen? Would they not? Would they run away? Paul was fearful. Many pastors today, we, 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 we can become fearful if we're not careful about our preaching. What is it doing? How is the church going to receive it? Especially when we have a really special message from God, something that's on our heart, something that's been burning within us, and we want to, to preach it and teach it to you, but yet it's... It can be a bit convicting. It can be striking at the hearts. It can cause some people to not be too happy. We get fearful at times. Paul was afraid that the Corinthians may be deceived by false teachers and that if he visited them, they will be disorderly. Paul also at Macedonia, he was harassed by internal fears because he was hoping that Titus would give him good news about the church in Corinth. But when Titus did give him the news, it wasn't as good as Paul thought. And Paul had some fear. This church in Corinth, I think, caused a few gray hairs on Paul's head. Paul was also afraid when he, uh, when he had wasted his efforts, or so he thought, in Galatia, because they were following Jewish practices. And we see this in Galatians 4.11. 
Paul was uh, always fearful at times, and perhaps it isn't quite the same fear that was, that um, would cause him to sin. But he was always just thinking about the what ifs. And this is coming from the Apostle Paul. I think if the Apostle Paul struggled with some of these fears, I think it may be safe to say that we do as well. Fear of the unknown, fear of you fill in the blank. Paul, after Paul was converted, he escaped Damascus. He did that through a basket. They hung him down the wall. If you remember that story in Acts. Um, and he, after he escaped, he went to Jerusalem. When he went to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. Now, Paul, who used to be called Saul, uh, was an enemy of Christendom. They did not like him. But now he had gotten saved. Barnabas had been working with them. So now we thought, okay, I'm going to go see the disciples. Well, disciples didn't really respond the way Paul had hoped. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 26, it says, But they were all afraid of him. But they were all afraid of him. They, they looked at Paul and they assumed, uh, if Paul's here, there's danger right around the corner. Now, I don't know about you, but I would probably have the same fear if I had not known or seen the conversion of Paul. I heard this quote just the other day. I read this quote, I should say, from a famous missionary's wife, Elizabeth Elliot. Actually, she's a missionary herself, Elizabeth Elliot. And she says this quote about fear. She says, fear arises when we imagine that everything depends on us. Fear arises when we imagine that everything depends on us. That's a good quote. Oftentimes we find ourselves being fearful because we feel like we are our only way out of this fear. When we stop depending on God, when we stop depending on someone to help us, we find ourselves in fear many times. You know, we live in a world today that's engrossed with racial tension, with hatred for authority, with religious confusion, fear of disease. Amongst all these fears that we have, these tensions are crippling us because of fear. A fear that can drive us crazy if we're not careful. But how much of our fear is necessary? How much fear that we produce is biblical, is of God? There is some good fear, and we're going to look at that next week. But how much of this fear that we use in our life, how much of that is necessary? If we can learn to depend on God for our fear, we would find that there is nothing to fear. If we can learn to depend on God for our fear, we would find there is nothing to fear. We find ourselves many times running through life just being scared, being fearful. And today, I mean, it's natural to be fearful just walking to a grocery store. Touch the wrong thing and the worst could happen. Walking around, it's just amazing. Three months ago, we would laugh at us today. 
but today no one's laughing. We look at today and we find that as Christians, we can assume fear in our lives. We can also find ourselves fearing the consequences of sin. And this is really my, my second last point here. And we looked at, first of all, what, it, what is the assumed fear? But now I want us to consider today, as Christians, we can fear the consequences of sin in our life. And I want to point this out because there are so many illustrations of this in the Bible. We're only going to look at a couple. But there are so many times in the Bible where a Christian does something wrong, and rightfully so, they're afraid of that consequence of sin, but people deal with it differently. Some people run right to God when they mess up, and some people don't really know what to do. They're so afraid. You see, we can... Uh, people are afraid when they face punishment. When we, when we do wrong, we are afraid of those in authority because we will be punished. I mean, this goes not even just for Christians, but somebody does something wrong, they, they could be afraid that they're going to get caught. The law is going to catch up with them. Even today, when any of us, if we're driving down the road and we're going a little bit faster than we're supposed to, and then a police officer drives maybe the opposite direction, what do we do? We let off the gas and we look at our mirror. See if he's going to turn around and come after us. Fear. <laughs> and that's fear because we know we were not doing what we we're supposed to be doing. The fear of a consequence of sin can be a good thing, can draw us closer to God, but if we're not careful, it can do the opposite. In Romans chapter 13, in verse 4, the Bible says, For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. You know, God is saying, if you mess up, you should be afraid. Because I am a God of judgment. I will revenge wrath on you if you mess up. So should we be afraid when we sin? Well, there is, in a sense, yes. We should fear the wrath of God. When a child messes up, as a parent, we want them to be afraid that, oh no, I'm going to get in trouble now. Oh no, they're gonna, I'm going to get grounded now. Or, oh no, I'm going to get disciplined now. Well, they should have that sense of fear, and we're going to look at that a little bit more next week. But I want us to understand today that sometimes, well, for example, Jonah chapter 1 and verse 10. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 10. The Bible says, Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? They're talking to Jonah. For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was temptuous. And he said unto them, Well, take me up and uh, cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake, this great tempest is upon you. Jonah knew he had messed up. He knew he was in sin. And he knew God, the wrath of God had caught up with him. His consequences were there. He was seeing it before his eyes. He knew 
he had done wrong. And I often wondered, and we actually looked at this in a, uh, uh, recently in, uh, in uh, well, I'll tell you about that later. But Jonah realized that he could not run from God. He, he felt the only way to save everyone was perhaps to die. It's funny how even in this instance, he still didn't choose to look up to God and repent and say, Lord, forgive me, please save us. It was almost as if Jonah felt that he had gone too far. Perhaps, of course, perhaps as well, he was just being stubborn. And it's also possible that he just felt like it's too late now. I mean, I'm in the middle of the storm. I mean, our ship is breaking apart. I think it's too late now. I think the only re answer is just to throw me overboard. This is all happening because of me. Maybe we've been in this situation before. We thought it's just too late for us now. I I've gone too far. I I've gone too far into sin now. I've messed up willingly too many times and God is just done with me. I mean, look at my life. It's a wreck. It's too late for me. And we find ourselves now maybe in a, a situation like Jonah where our only way out is just, Lord, just finish me. Just throw me overboard. Save everybody else, God. I know I've gone too far. Of course, you know the rest of Jonah's story. God still wasn't done. Even after he got thrown into the water, even after he thought his life was over, God still saved him. Perhaps Jonah didn't want to be saved that way. Getting swallowed by a whale, not my first choice. God was not done with Jonah. He had a purpose and a reason. He still needed him. God is never done with us. We see something similar in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. And this one always makes me sad. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, this is the story of Adam and Eve. The Bible says, And when they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Adam and Eve had the opportunity to walk and talk with God. And one day, Adam and Eve were in the garden, and they could, and I wish I knew what this sounded like, but it says they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Perhaps this is the time of day when Adam and Eve would join God for a walk and they would communicate and they would talk. But verse 8, something much different happens. When they heard the voice of God, instead of skipping out to the road and meeting up with him, they ran the opposite direction and they hid themselves. Why did they do that? Because they had just sinned. They just ate of the fruit, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They had just done the one thing God told them not to do. Literally the one thing God told them not to do. They did it. And because of that sin, their fellowship was broken. Their guilt was heavy. Now that communication they had with God 
it wasn't there. It wasn't the same. And it's sad because if you continue in verse 9 in Genesis 3, verse 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Now he knew where he was, but he was giving them a chance to answer. Verse 10, And he said, this is Adam, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Man, fear. Fear is a crippling emotion. And when we mess up, when we sin, and I say when we, because we're not perfect, it's, it's going to happen to us from time to time. When we find ourselves out of the grace of God, do we run? Do we hide like Adam and Eve did? Now, to be fair, Adam and Eve had never felt this way before. They didn't have the Bible to read. They didn't know they were the first ones to feel this guilt. Jonah, perhaps, had just sunken so low, so deep in his in his stubbornness, he felt that this was the only way out. You know, the uh, King Saul, our last verse we'll look at here, King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 28, he had another similar situation. In 1 Samuel chapter 28 and verse 5, the Bible says, And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. But this is where it happens in verse 6. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. This is important to understand here. Saul, King Saul, he saw the Philistines. He got afraid. So what's the first thing he did? I mean, literally the next verse, he inquired of the Lord. He went right to God. He knew what to do. He knew where to go. But in verse 6, the Lord answered him not. He didn't come to him in dreams. He didn't come to him by the priests or the prophets. Nothing. What? Isn't that what we're supposed to do when we're afraid? Go right to God? That's true. But if you read the context of the story, Saul was already in sin. Saul had messed up prior and he had not gotten his heart right. There was still sin in his life when this, when this fear came upon him. And this is what I'm trying to tell you today is if there is sin in your life and when fear strikes you, you have nowhere to go. Saul knew, I have fear. God's the one that can take care of this. So he went to God and God says, uh, listen, buddy, you've got some things you have to take care of in your life first. You want me to help you with this fear? You want me to help you with the Philistines? You have to do your parts. And I'm sad to say that Saul did not repent even after this. Saul did the worst thing you can do in his situation. He went to a witch, a sorcerer, and he tried to bring Samuel back from the dead. The, prop, the only guy that ever listened to Saul. The only guy that treated that it was like his, his father figure. He who had Samuel passed away, he tried to bring him back up from the dead. That is not the answer to go to sorcery, to go to those things. The answer is to go to God. Saul did that, and when God wasn't there, Saul still didn't repent. His heart was still hardened. He still didn't give it up to God. If you're a Christian, if you're here today, and there is enmity between you and God, if there is 
If there was something in your life that's stopping you from having that fellowship that's necessary, you need to get that right. If you're struggling today with anxieties, with fears, with depressions, with just the unknown, with everything that's going on in our world today, you need God more than ever. And you're never going to conquer these fears, these assumed fears in our life, if we don't have proper fellowship with God. Don't be afraid of the sin that you've committed. Be afraid of the consequence of that sin. When that fear comes, when you have messed up, get it right. You serve a God who forgives, who forgives you of your sin, even if you've been living in it for years and years now. I know you feel bad and you don't feel you, you deserve that forgiveness, and that's a good position to be in. Now take those emotions, take that undeservedness and bring it to God now and say, God, I don't deserve this, but forgive me. Lord, I need this fellowship again. Please come back into my life. Because, Lord, I have fears. I have anxieties. Lord, I, this, the world that we live in today, I need you now to protect me, to protect my family, to protect my job. Lord, I need these things in my life, but I realize that there's enmity between us. Forgive me. Get yourself right, Christian. Get yourself back in fellowship with God. Get back into the book. Get back to reading his word and praying every day. Stay in tune with our great God and Savior. As a Christian, remember that your sin can cause us to fear even more. And I come back to our verse that we read at the beginning. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this message. I pray if there's somebody who's watching this broadcast that is struggling with fear, with anxiety, and perhaps they're just, they're just, they're dealing with some sin in their life that they know shouldn't be in there. Maybe there's something that they're doing, they're practicing, that they're just, they're wanting to do, but they're fighting, they're struggling against it, God. Give, allow them now to get it right, to get that communion back with you so that they can deal with these fears that they may be having in their life or the fears that are coming down the road that's going to strike their family. Lord, help us through this fearful time to learn to just trust in you. But we can't fully trust in you if, if our heart isn't where it needs to be, if we're not holy, if we're not practicing purity. Lord, I pray that you would please help us to do our best to search our hearts and to become more like you. Lord, bless us that we pray in your name. Amen. As we go to our offering time today, I want us to hear the word of the Lord. In Psalm chapter 84, in verse 11, the Bible says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Learning to trust God with our hearts, learning to trust him even with some things that we're struggling with in the past is important as we draw closer to him. And as we consider our, give, our giving now, our offering time, whether it's through uh, 
texting through the online, or maybe you need to stop by later this week. Let's learn to trust the Lord even with our finances and learn, learn to, how we can worship him with our giving and our offering. And at this time now, as the music plays, I trust you to give unto the Lord. <laughs> 